This is episode 102 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 102 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have another awesome episode for you. I have Alex Powell on the show. And Alex and I had a bit of a marathon discussion here, just going through everything that interests us. And it was actually a lot of fun. We got to talking about a property that I actually placed multiple offers on and missed out on, and he actually got it. Uh, we talk about how we assessed that property, what was done to that property, and the numbers on it. Uh, we went through some of Alex's other properties and how he's being very creative to add value. He's not afraid to do heavy renovations. He's not afraid to to do what's needed. He often uses a joint venture model where he's having uh, partners come in and buy up properties uh, with him and they're putting in the funds and he's doing the work. Uh, very organized guy, very systematic, and uh, he's got a great mindset and a great reputation in the community. So we dug into things like team building, how to grow your business from where you are to where you want to be, and uh, really the nuts and bolts that go into that, as well as some philosophical uh, thoughts about the current situation going on in the world and how we can go about hiring trades and hiring people and still get a great value out of them. So I'm confident you're going to enjoy this episode. I know I sure did. As always, for anyone new, it's highly recommended that you head right back to the beginning of this podcast, uh, episode one, and work your way through. If you're new to real estate investing, it's going to really help you hit the ground running and if you haven't already please make sure that you like and subscribe and hit that notification bell and if you could kindly leave me a review on apple podcasts that helps this podcast to grow bigger and reach more people i'd of course really appreciate that as well so without further ado let's jump into episode 102 with alex powell hello and welcome to the andrew hines real estate investing podcast i've got alex powell on the show today i've heard that name for years finally get uh, get to meet him in person yeah the uh, feelings mutual thank you very yeah. much for having me yeah man happy to have you so um we've been around each other and not quite known each other i accidentally named our meetup group the greater hamilton rei meetup and then learned you had the greater hamilton something (laughs) i'm like okay that's not good um but uh anyways uh why don't you just share a little bit about yourself because i honestly i don't know too much I, i just uh just know i hear the name and i know you're you're pretty busy yeah yeah no i appreciate it so um a little bit about myself i i my education's in engineering um, and I was working as an engineer for a while, and then I decided to get into real estate uh, uh, investing from a very young age. But I uh, took the approach of you know getting a salary job first, and then working my way through it. So um, I had actually done a deal with an agent out of Keller Williams at the time out in Kitchener to buy a duplex, and he introduced me to Mark Loeffler, who I know is a mutual okay. friend of ours. And I went to go talk to Mark Loeffler, and I was like, you know what, I'd really like to learn from. So he's like, you know what, get your license, and then we'll. Uh, We'll get you yeah. set up. So I ended up getting my license. I worked on Loeffler's team for quite a quite a bit, I think two years, and uh, shaped me into a, a salesman. And then yeah. eventually it was a time to kind of branch out a little bit. And, and my true passion has always been real estate investing. But the, yeah. the reason I love it, it combines like the real estate investing side with, uh, with yeah. you know, construction and stuff. So a little bit about us. We have a company called Pal Property Solutions. We do a lot of joint venture partnerships. So we help yeah. people who are looking to get into the industry – um, and don't have the resources or the know-how, we partner with them and, and nice. get kick-ass returns. Kick-ass returns sound good. I like yeah. kick-ass returns. Uh, how long have you been in real estate investing? About eight years now. Eight years. So, And you got into real estate as a realtor? Four years ago. But Four years ago? I, like I, I'm, I wouldn't even consider myself like a real... If I had a badge on me that indicated what I was, I'd have an investor badge, not a realtor yeah. badge. I just happen to have a license. My wife, Kaylee, runs our, our team, Pal Realty Group, mm-hmm. and, uh, and she's awesome. 
So she rocks with that that yeah. stuff. Are you guys a, a team under another brokerage or are you yeah, under so Keller we're, Williams? We're Keller Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many people on your team? Uh, there's three of us. Three. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're just hands off with that. You allow your wife yeah. to take care of that. Yeah. And uh, you told me you're you're expecting a. A yeah, newborn I was. Uh, I was. We were talking before the show got on that I was worried that that I get the phone call during the interview yeah. here, so we're uh, on pins and needles. But any second now, that that may happen. So we might we might have a short <laughs> interview. We'll get to the meat. We'll and just potatoes. take the cameras to the uh, to the delivery room. And we'll, we'll <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So, um, what kind of projects are you in right now? So we've got a number of projects on the go. We've got a. Um, so I'll kind of start from a west and work my way. Uh, to, towards where Bramford would be, I guess, right? Uh, we have one in um, in Welland right now, which is, I think, one of my favorite purchases that I've done personally. We bought, and we got it in competition. So there was four offers on this property. We got it 15 grand under asking with a one-month conditional period on this place. And it had a, it was a convenience store and an old laundromat with two residential units up top. And then behind it, on the same plot of land, was a detached, single, dinky little residential property. So we got the thing under contract, and uh, the plan is, and what we've now got approval for, is we've severed the the single-family residential property from the building. Okay. And we've got approval from the city to convert that mixed-use building into five residential units. Oh, so there's the uh, there's the kicker. Oh yeah, so we're selling off the um, the single family residential. We've added three parking spaces too. We went through the committee of adjustments. It's all all good to go. And yeah. uh, and so we're planning to be done by the spring, but we bought the thing for two eighty five. Two yeah, I kind of want to run the numbers on this. So we'll do quick quick math here. So two eighty five buy. What do you figure you're going to be in with the severance? So we're running about four fifty. So four fifty of, of yeah. money put in, but with renovation, yeah. severance, development yeah. charges. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, four fifty. That's more than I usually hear people say when they buy for two eighty five. But yeah. there's a lot going on there. It's, it's yeah. a big, like yeah. they're big properties too, right? And so what's it all worth, including the one that you can sell that you've severed off? So the one that we're gonna sell, we're like from that four fifty fifty. That's probably gonna go towards that house, mm-hmm. and we're gonna sell that one by itself. I'm planning to list it for two forty nine nine. Two forty nine. So, say you got roughly two fifty. We'll we'll just kind of figure in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the rest of it going to be worth? Well, originally I had run my numbers super conservative at six fifty. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking that we're going to be closer to eight. Eight. Okay. Eight fifty. I mean, realistically, we could add that two fifty on top because that really is gravy on top of that. So eight fifty uh, plus two fifty. So you're at like a 1.1 overall with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now is the plan, obviously, I guess it's going to be go back with the bank, refinance that? Yeah, refinance the mixed use, yeah. get a, a nice long commercial loan on that, ideally, yeah. if we can, at a nice interest rate. And the yeah. way I ran my numbers, it was like 1700 bucks a month cash flow. 1700 a month. That sounds pretty good. I mean, like just as is, I mean, if we if we just assumed you were keeping that that property and you, you refinance it all at 80%, I mean, you probably wouldn't get 80, you'd probably get 75. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'd be like eight twenty five on the new mortgage, which would get you all your money out. Yeah. So that's I already like the sounds of this deal. Those are the kind of deals I like. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're eight. You're uh, say roughly uh, eight twenty five there. Let's let's kind of break down what you figure your uh, your income will be on this place. Well, we've got uh, two three bedrooms, so okay. I'm running that at like sixteen hundred for a three bedroom in Welland. 
Um, but they're going to be nice. Yeah. We put like quartz countertops, stainless steel appliances, that kind of thing. So 1600 times two. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got two, uh, two bedrooms and those are going to be 1495. And we have one, one bedroom that we put at 1250. Okay. So that's about 7440 gross rent. And we'll just leave like a 2% vacancy there. What do you figure your taxes will be on that? Well, you're quizzing me here. I'm not 100% sure, but... Ballpark. I'd Five say, grand? Four grand? Uh, yeah, about four grand, I would say. Yeah. Okay, and then insurance, probably a little bit more than maybe 2,500. Yep. Yeah. And maintenance, I'll just leave uh, like 7% there mm-hmm. just, just to be a little bit more conservative. Utilities, are you going to be paying the utilities there? Uh, n- not hydro. So we're okay. going to be paying gas and water. Okay, so... We figure like two fifty a month, then between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so that's about three thousand a year. Management? Are you going to pay management, or are you doing it yourself? So we have an internal management company. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll zero that out. Yeah. It depends on who you're giving it to. If you're giving it to the we, bank, we actually, you got to show management. We, we actually do charge ourselves. So yeah. It's, what do you uh, charge yourself? Eight percent. You charge eight percent. Yeah. All right. We'll leave eight percent. Figure it. it's always best to do that because then you don't miss it if you ever decide to outsource. Yeah. No. I, I I hear what you're saying. I I was paying management before on my stuff, and then I actually kind of made the move to self manage, which yeah. it's cheaper. And if you have the systems, it's not really too much more work. But, Property uh, managers, a funny thing is that you never feel like you're getting your the bang for your buck. And you're always like kind of like gritting until you your do teeth. It <laughs> and then and then some shit hits the fan. You're like, oh my god, I need help. And that's where the value comes yeah. in. Well, I okay. So I shouldn't say I have no help. Like I have people. I just they're kind of they're not property manager. Like I have a handyman. I have people that can mm-hmm. open doors for me. So like a team, but yeah. not necessarily somebody that goes by that title. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that's the the differentiator. I don't mean to say I do it by myself because I definitely don't. Um, lawn cutting, snow removal, what do you figure? Oh, there's not a whole lot of... Actually, I don't know if there's any lawn there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so snow removal, we might be... Let's let's call it 50 bucks a month, maybe. Okay. So for, what, six months? Okay, so yeah, maybe only 300 Yeah, that's a good, good, good deal on snow removal. Um, okay, so 500 just miscellaneous I like to include. Um, you would be getting... What would you be getting in terms of uh, a final? You said final valuation H. Yeah. So when I ran my numbers initially, like yeah. I was at like I ran at like the six fifty numbers. So now yeah. that with the market obviously reacting as it has, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's been okay. exceptional. So so we'll figure like twenty five year amortization. Uh, yeah, if we can push that, ideally, but well, depends yeah. on the terms of the loan. Well, it's commercial financing, right? Like yeah. I guess, like who would allow you to push that? Like a credit union? Well, we're hoping if we can even get CMHC. Okay, so go see. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 all right, all right. Yeah, so so if you can get CMHC, you might even get. Uh, I heard the process right now is. Uh, we have actually never been through CMHC, so I've never gone right. through it. I've never been through it personally. Anyone I talk to, it's like it's like a year process yeah, on a it's refi. Like teeth. Yeah. yeah, so let's say you got eighty percent loan to value, thirty year AM, and you're probably going to get like two and a quarter, or two, you know, somewhere around there in interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're getting numbers like that, your cash flow is going to look pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I got your cash flow coming in here at 2720, not yeah. factoring your management. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, that is factoring your management. Yeah. I thought you said 1700. <laughs> well, Maybe we've missed something here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when, whenever I do, build, especially like this, this is a larger construction yeah. Uh, job. Yeah. So if I'm going into a, a, a job like this, and especially mm-hmm. like this project is with joint venture partners, yeah. and joint venture partners, I treat their money more like better than yeah. I would my own. So I'm always very, very, very conservative. Um, but 
it, yeah. So when when I had run my numbers, rents were more conservative than what they are now. Obviously, we've done a lot more work in the Welland area since then too, right? To just kind of understand mm-hmm. numbers. So. Um, but yeah, the, and that's also including you ran them at CMHC finance numbers, right? So I think when I was Cash running them, better, yeah. I was just running yeah. them at the bare bones. So, you know, worst case scenario, but it's a, this yeah. is a knockout. This is a knockout deal. Yeah. I mean, no matter how you slice this one, it looks like you're pulling out money, like yeah. in the ballpark of like 90 grand in pocket and, uh, and the cash flow is going to be pretty sweet. Yeah. And of course, you've got your own internal management system, so that works out really well. And uh, if you didn't count that management, your cash flow is like three thousand three hundred. So, uh, <laughs> not a bad thing when you That's think okay. about like the right the right purchase can propel you closer to financial freedom so quickly. Now, so there are people who could live on that. That alone yeah. would be would yeah. be their income. They could just they could just retire and just manage the building. Yeah. Well, I know for our partners yeah. and stuff too, it's like this is a, a substantial move towards like improving their retirement, all that, right? So yeah, um, that's what they're saving for, right? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like I, I can definitely uh, see the benefit when you're buying at numbers like that. Now, how common is a deal like that for you? It's it's not, and that's the problem. I'm sure you're on the hunt too, right? Um, yeah, I'm always looking. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, not in these areas. It's not that easy to find that. I think that the the way to become successful, I think, as an investor nowadays, is you have to be creative. You got to find mm-hmm. how to do something that no one's really thought about yet, or, or hasn't really put together yet. And now it seems to me that this project in itself was pretty obvious. I'm still baffled. Like I'd like to talk to those other people that put offers in. Yeah. And be like, like how low did you guys go in? You know, yeah. because we, like after we bought the place, we actually got a, a one of the agents who uh, who lost it on the deal, and her client was just coming after us, wanting to buy the property office. They were going to wholesale it, or ask us to wholesale it to them at like three fifty. Yeah. Like no, 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 we can't. No, no, no. Yeah. Finally, the the person, the buyer called us themselves and like. I'm the actual buyer. What, what do you want for this property? I was like, anyway, we didn't yeah, have to do it. You yeah. missed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. I hear, I hear a lot of stories like that. I've heard that a lot in the last month. People saying, I don't know what the other people were thinking when they didn't buy it. Yeah. They're kind of like scratching their heads. But it's like the telltale story of real estate. If you think mm-hmm. about it, like uh, Loeffler always says it. It's like you always think you overpay and then five years later you'll be a genius. Well, yeah, that, that's that's very true. Um, it's hard it feels to get like over you're, that. It feels like you're overpaying now, yeah, just because of the way things are. It doesn't mean that that we actually are overpaying, but it does feel like that sometimes. For sure, um, especially with how crazy our market's been. And you know, I, I I get the skepticism, but there's so many people that are, are, especially on the real estate side. Kaylee deals with it more often when you're dealing with like a first time home buyer, and they're saying that you know what, this market's just a little too crazy. We're gonna wait a year. Yeah. <laughs> and the year goes by and like now nah, you're paying a hundred thousand dollars more for a property. It's like oh, yeah. It doesn't necessarily make it better. So. No, for sure. Okay, so your your systems and your people it allows you to reach well and okay. That's not too far from home for you. No, I'm in Grimsby, so it's, uh, it's yeah. about forty minutes. I would say. Um, okay, so it's not Grimsby. ideal, I guess, in terms of like m- the majority of our properties are in Hamilton. Our office is in Hamilton. That's where where we deal with most of our projects, um, but. As we start to grow and expand, you kind of have to spread spread a little bit more and look for yeah. opportunities elsewhere. 
Yeah, I'm open to looking looking to areas. Like you said, you got to get creative. I think that's one way. Um, you know, in Hamilton, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack to look for cash flowing properties. Doesn't mean you can't find them, but you got to get more creative. You got to get yeah. smarter. Uh, whereas you can go to other areas that cash flow better. Well, well, and obviously cash flow is a bit better off the hop. Yeah. But not like it used to, like not not as crazy as it used to be. Yeah, prices are going up everywhere, right? Yeah, so they are. People like who can't afford Toronto, they're coming to they're Hamilton. Coming it looks out. like it's a steal there. People who are can't afford Hamilton are going Go to, to Welland, <laughs> St. Catharines. And it's yeah, St. Just, Catharines now is like creeping up. Same thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's all getting pushed up. And I, I think Fort Erie was probably, uh, you know, not too far off. I, I've heard people live there already saying it's gone up so much. For me, it's always like I, yeah. I always want to make sure I'm investing in some place that has like industry, industry yeah. to attract the, the population growth. That's that's what I think. And that's why yeah. I love Hamilton as much as I do. Like if I could buy every property in Hamilton, I would. Um, just because of the industry there. Just I, I, I believe in the city. I really do. Okay. Why? What specific? Well, so for instance, that, that development that they're doing down on the pier, I think that there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity, a tremendous amount of gentrification that will come with that. And I know that there's like evil associated with that word in some capacity to some people. But Which pier is this? Is this like uh, the north? <laughs> I think it's pier eight, the, the development they're putting like mm-hmm. in the billions. Okay. into it and there's like condo developments out there all right yeah, yeah so it's, it's just super yeah. exciting for the city of hamilton it really is um yeah. you know the hamilton airport is uh they did like a what 250 million dollar expansion out there yeah um, i'm living numbers off the top of my head it's yeah they some, do a lot of yeah, international yeah. of course you still got some steel there you got healthcare. Yeah. you've got the school uh, yeah. there's a lot of different stuff going on so in my so hamilton itself um I used to work for Acon, and we did a lot of work at U.S. Steel and stuff like that. Yeah. So the the story of ha- Hamilton, I got to hear it directly from a lot of these guys that used to work in the factories there. It's like when Stelco got bought out by U.S. Steel, there was that you know obviously the, you know the plants kept were kept open, um, mm-hmm. but when Obama came in, he said, "Okay, we're actually going to focus on steel suppliers within the states." There was massive layoffs here in Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton, similar to like Pittsburgh, was Steel Town. It was like yeah. our Steel Town, and now you have this this town that's relied so heavily on steel and the manufacturing of steel to you know to thrive on. Now is like eh, it's halted. Mm-hmm. So now Hamilton had a choice to just go into the slump or to redefine itself, and I think that it's a testament to the city on how well it redefined itself. Yeah. In terms of the developments that they're putting into, in terms of how, you know, the government incentives to bring small businesses in, um, just you, I, I, I drive the streets every day and I get to see how things are physically changing in the environment yeah. that I'm living in, and like the prices are reflecting that, right? Hamilton used to be this grungy downtown. Yeah. Now it's got like these bougie stores in it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's like, changed a lot. Like look at Ottawa Street. You know, yeah. We were just talking about that building on yeah. Ottawa Street, like. You go down Otto Street and it's like, you know, you got hamburger there. You've got like Limoncello. It's like this fancy mm. bougie coffee shop and like all these different yeah. stores and stuff. I mean, I don't know. You're starting to see this change. And I think that it's not to mention like the hospitals, like, uh, um, yeah. you know, some of the best health care facilities in the world are in Hamilton. So. So yeah, yeah, and it's like you said, you're you're seeing why, and you're seeing the people come there, and the prices are going up to reflect that. It's still cheaper if you go to the East End yeah. uh, than than it is in a lot of places. For sure. I mean, 
some of the neighborhoods are tight and the houses are really small and there's not much you can do because the lots are small. Yeah. But uh, there's always going to be a demand for housing like that because yeah. it's affordable relatively. Are, are you, do you do dabble into infill development more than you would like actually like fix and flip? Um, I'll absolutely uh, do that. I'm more of a, a burr guy, but yeah, I mean, so I do, I have my own construction company. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of new construction yeah. and, um, you know, I'll do additions on properties and, and, uh, any, any way I can creatively see that I can add value, I'm mm-hmm. open to it. So nothing really scares me from a execution standpoint on a project. Now, have you done a lot of that here in Burlington? No, I haven't. I've just done a little bit. Like, because I heard that there, like, it's tough to get anything done to get people to do stuff here. Not just the people, yeah. more so the city to get like approvals and things like that. Infill development, I think, is making a big impact in Hamilton. Like whereabouts? So, uh, do you know Charles Waugh? Yeah, I know Charles Waugh. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he just did one on Wilson Street, and okay. it was like uh, impeccable transformation. And it's like once again one of those things that like the city has now given them permission to do that yeah. his build literally changed that entire block mm-hmm. right in terms of like wow these are a, a new bar of expectation has been how seen. many units was this i think that uh i'm not sure if they duplex it was semis the two semis but i don't know if they duplexed yeah. each semi and okay i, I want, want to assume that they they did is this one he did to like keep or to sell uh he sold them he sold so them he flipped them yeah i wonder if i think he was mentioning this he was going to send me a listing on it this is recent that he sold it, right? Yeah, probably yeah. within the year, I believe. Yeah, okay, okay. I think he, he was mentioning this because I had him on the podcast a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah Charles is a smart guy with infill. Totally. He, re- he really knows what he's doing there. But supposedly, like, Burlington won't allow that kind of thing to happen. So, and I Well, can, they, they have the, the, uh, the secondary suites you can do. Yeah, secondary suites. Suites you can, but... But, yeah, they're, I guess they're not maybe the most pro-development I've, I've heard. Yeah, but... That's something that I would like to get into a little bit more, I think, is the infills. So for you, what's the what's the bread and butter been? Just like minor construction? For us right now, we do like right now in our business. Yeah. yeah it's more like we do a lot of flips and a lot of burrs. That's that's yeah. our bread and butter. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I love it. So the idea of going to yeah. infill is like maybe if I get bored one day, I, I might do that. But to be honest, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun still. So. Yeah. Okay, so are you doing any actual in-ground, like, new construction on your properties, no, or it's all just that's renovations? That's actually one thing I've yeah. never dealt with yet is, like, we've fixed foundations from yeah. the inside, but never, like, dug out and poured yet. Yeah. So, it's yeah. fun It's fun to get into kind of doing all of it. I do like the new the new co, like, putting up the yeah. additions. They, they go up so fast. Like, renovations sometimes can go slow because... Yeah you have to rejig and work with the existing structure. Yeah, yeah. So we were actually just talking about this one you uh, you had bought there on uh, Canon in... Ottawa. Ottawa, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I had looked at, made a couple of offers on and didn't get. <laughs> I thought it was too expensive, but um, from what I hear, it's gone really well. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that project? Yeah. So um, so we we bought it. We got it for 1.15 with a partner of mine. Do you know Brian Carsey? I met Brian at... Um, a Keller Williams event, yeah. which I'm, I'm not an agent, but I was at the event because Dylan yeah. invited me. Long story. Anyways, yeah, yeah about so him I, there. Yeah, he's he's my partner on it. So we bought it first and uh, uh, yeah. the place was still tenanted. I think there was two vacant units, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and so anyway, when we got the place, the next day we got a city order that said that there was major structural problems and we need to the rectify it. The day after you it. bought the it? The day after we bought oh, it. So I was like, what the heck? And so... I asked the bylaw officer. I was like, "Like, who who submitted?" She's like, "Well, we can't tell you uh, who submitted it. That's against our policy." I was like, "Okay, well, what unit is the structural problems happening?" He's like, "Unit one." <laughs> I was like, "So unit one?" He's like, "Oh crap!" 
<laughs> so anyway, we so went. So you know it was the unit one Yeah, time. so yeah. we went, uh, and I I wasn't angry or anything. I was like, any, out of curiosity, like, why did you call the city? And she's like, oh, I didn't mean to call it on you guys. I meant to call it on the previous owners. Yeah. And so unbeknownst to her, she actually, I think, did us the biggest favor because the city gives you a reason to get everybody out. This, well, it wasn't our reason. The city plastered it onto the front door, and everybody who came into their own house was like, "Screw it, I'm getting the heck out of here." Yeah. So we didn't we didn't pay any money in getting people out. Getting people oh out. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. You almost want to call it on yourself. Yeah, <laughs> anonymous tip. Yeah. In fact, so so <laughs> there were two people that stayed uh, for a longer so. The eight-unit building is literally a mirror image of itself. If you look down the middle, yeah. and we call it like on the north, or sorry, east side, and then the west side. So the west side cleared out a hundred percent, and on the east side we had the main floor tenant and the th- the third floor tenant who stayed. Now the person on the third floor tenant, she hadn't paid rent, and she, she just left in end of November, yeah. and she hadn't paid rent since previous November. And you weren't able to get her out? Like, what happened? You couldn't get her out. But she just ended up leaving out on her own. How? How? In one year, you couldn't get her out? Uh, well, so when January hit, that's when we just got her. And yeah. then the uh, property manager had the uh, had the order already with the LTB. So we filed again, and then COVID hit. Yeah, and, and then, so it's so just no this sheriff to, to massive evict. delay process. So we were caught in this, and it was like, yeah. ah, well, that's what it is. And then the main floor guy, I guess, caught wind of it. He's like, oh, I'm not going to pay either. So he stopped paying for the last two or three months of him living there. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the, the main floor guy was actually like critical path because we were completely restructuring the entire building. Yeah. So so this this building, one of the reasons I was so skeptical because I figured, you know, how much money I could spend in fixing the structural issue. And then exactly what you faced is getting the tenants out. So in my assessment i would have needed to vacate one whole side of the building to fix it i would have to gut each the walls that uh uh, what i identified it looked to me like it was an issue coming from roof water that had rotted out uh structural element all the way down to the basement very good assessment four floors and i just looked at it i'm like yep for sure like it can't be anything else the building doesn't sink like this so on the top floor as you know um like it was like a foot lower probably at the low point was a foot lower than the high point in the in the um, floor not quite a not foot, a foot I would maybe say, eight inches yeah like, it was it was dramatic yeah like it was you, yeah you could or felt a little you could off. not notice it you felt yeah. like, like a drunken sailor <laughs> walking around there so you give um, it the old marble test and the marble yeah. just like rips down the floor. yeah that marble oh. would fly through through the wall yeah by the time it got there so so you know i i looked at it i'm like wait this person just put all these tenants in and now I got to fight to get them out. I'm going to be paying what I thought was too much at the time, which I, I mean, now Hamilton's trading over $200,000 a door. So, you know, for eight units at 1.15, which you got it for, it was actually a pretty decent deal. Mm-hmm. The cost is is the next thing we'll talk about. But I, you know, I just didn't know what I could get into. I figured I could spend a couple hundred grand fixing, fixing that yeah, problem. Yeah, and that's what we, we figured as well. So there was a couple of like, so the rot issue was actually like, Yes, it was causing the sagging, but it yeah. actually rotted out all the two by fours. Yeah, I figured. Bathrooms. I figured they were all gone, and then yeah. when you would open up the the wall, it would be literally just the lath and plaster holding up the it's, wall. It totally was. It's <laughs> the craziest thing. You take it off, and the two by four is like hanging. Yeah, and it's I just, figured that. There's no middle portion yeah. to it. It was just like chewed apart. Was by it all like, like moldy rot. in there? Yeah, and it was crazy. Yeah. So. So and if you remember too, the floor plans of these units were the stupidest floor plans you could probably imagine. Yeah, they weren't you'd, efficient. You'd walk in and yeah. the I'd say probably twenty percent of the entire unit, which was already a fairly small unit, was made up of a hallway. Yeah. Like a very 
unattractive hallway. Yeah, like so, a weird angle, 45 degree angle wall. Yeah, so yeah. we actually you opened like, it up. We got like a 22 foot beam and put it right at like steel beams on each unit. On you each just floor. you just send them right through front so to back. So we got totally like as you walk in, you walk into a full open concept yeah. kitchen guy area. So you had your engineer engineer all that. Did you have to pour new pads in the basement? Yeah. So there's no basement. Just so slab on or as a you, crawl space. Were you able to reinforce? Um, like so, so those those beams would have been carrying down onto your foundation. Were they content with that, or did you have to dig up the footing and prove it was big enough? No, we we it was uh, we got an engineer design for how so, deep we had to go. So yeah, okay, so was, you did have to pour under the pad and like underpin that specific. It's section. all dirt. It's okay, so just, you just created a, a new we pad. We just created a new pad. It was uh, yeah. I think thirty six by thirty six by twelve inches. With oh, rebar. so somewhere in the center. Yeah. Okay, so you did the pad in the center, and then the other ones on the wall were fine, yeah. like the ones that rested on the foundation. And then you got four floors that's carrying down, yeah. right? All the way to the basement. So, yeah, this is big a really... Big steel columns that we yeah, actually welded columns. them to. Yeah, so. perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you the, opened it back up. You had to jack it up, though, right? Did you, oh, yeah. Did you use a hydraulic jack to... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big time. So, like, in fact, we're just getting to the part where... Because now the east side of the building is being done with the structural stuff. Yeah. The west side looks good now yeah it's actually like wow like, like i can stand here yeah. and like you can still like you know you can still feel that it's not 100 percent. i don't know if it'll ever get to 100 percent. at least if it's close but it's it's very very close you know what the craziest part was was actually the back boiler room yeah the back boiler room was underground behind the building yeah. Which was super weird yeah, to no me. basement, but it's underground behind the building, and there's, like, this shack that you have to kind of go down these sketchy set of stairs to get yeah. down. So that slab – so whoever owned this building, I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but their solution to everything that was sagging was to either add self-leveling concrete and then more flooring. <laughs> so if you look at any of the floors in any of the units, it like it looks like the age of a tree. You know how you can measure by, by layers, by layers, layers of self level. But it's like the laminate yeah. hardwood underneath is like an underpad, then tile, mm -hmm. then uh, the self leveling concrete, yeah. then wood floor again, then tile. It's like yeah, like one of the floors that we took up was like an inch and a half of just yeah. flooring. So. Yeah. And they did the exact same thing in the back with the boiler room because mm -hmm. the boiler room had this concrete top. And yeah. it was sagging. So you'd go underneath and like this thing, we had to actually like condemn it because we were afraid that this thing could collapse yeah. any second. So we actually hired a company to come in and chip up all that concrete. And they did the exact same thing with the concrete slab. It was like the first layer Layers. of concrete was way too thin with uh, not nowhere near enough structural steel. Yeah. And then on top of it was like a layer of asphalt. Yeah. And then some actual like soil, like dirt. And then on top of that concrete again, and it was like you'd wonder why the whole thing's sagging because they're just yeah. adding all this weight to it. So you re-poured that? Yeah, okay. we had to chip that all up and we oh, re-braced yeah. it. This yeah. is like a real-world case study for me because <laughs> you know what? Like we, it seems like we assess the same risks. I I think that you were a little more bullish on the on probably the value at the end. I think that the right yeah. word is maybe a little bit more ignorant because <laughs> <laughs> you were probably like, "Ah, screw this! I'm not getting." Out. I was like, "Ah, what the heck." Do you, do you think the market saved you or the, the values were just where they were? I No, I think we would have done well regardless. Yeah, you would have done well. Like, I think you were in the right ballpark. Because we bought this before this market happened, so we were totally content with what, what it was going to be at the time. And I, I'm, you know, for me, Hamilton's a new market for me. Like, all my stuff's in London, so I was being super conservative. Mm -hmm. Well, I think had I had it to look at again now, just knowing where I've I've seen kind of price per unit go across Ontario, I wouldn't have hesitated. Yeah. Um, but because, I mean, truthfully, I find... 
the idea of fixing that problem fascinating and would have yeah. been fun. But uh, the, the human element of it getting non-payers out, and I, I saw... You know, some of the tenants there were maybe not my first choice in terms well, of. Supposedly, this house was or this apartment was kind of like the the crack den haven. Like people yeah. go there to grab narcotics all the time. Yeah, I get some drugs. I was actually afraid there in the crawl space that might find some bodies buried. I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, how do I get in here? I don't feel comfortable yeah. with this. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, right? No, no. Okay. Luckily, luckily, we didn't. The Hell's Angels didn't put anything under there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, it's a really nice building, though. You've got, like, nice red brick building. I think that that could turn into something, um, like, I had this vision of, like, kind of like a New York style. Like, you could do some really nice accents on the outside of it and really dress it up to be a high-end apartment. So, I don't know if you noticed on the outside, instead of repointing the brick where they needed to, they used caulking. I didn't, but... And it's, it's like, my pet peeve. (laughs) That and whoever, like, I guess it's Bell Canada who came and, like spread their cables oh yeah all everywhere over the place. yeah it's just like a mess yeah it just completely ruins the entire facade so we're running actually, all the new cables on the inside yeah actually yeah so with the bell cables and stuff sometimes i just rip those out of places yeah. actually just rip cut them up rip them off yeah um hate what they do but actually now that you mentioned that i do remember the caulking in the in the uh <laughs> bricks <laughs> people do funny things man but uh when that neighborhood changes now, you want to come in and actually make it look good, which oh. is actually really good for him. We also have parking, which is, I think, a huge a parking. Huge, huge. See, deal. that was one of the things I really liked about that. I figured there was a lot of ways you could turn that into a really functional parking lot. Yeah. Um, so what did you what did you uh, buy? You said 115? Yeah. Okay. And what do you figure you're going to be all in for? Pro- I'm thinking once we're done, we're going to be about 350, 400. Let's put 400. Right. Okay. Including carrying costs? Um, yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, so you're one, 1. 1.55, mm-hmm. and what do you figure the value is on this now? Now, or, I don't well, think assume, it's, assume, yeah, after it's done. Assume uh, uh, incomplete. I'm thinking it's about 1.6 is what I'm thinking. Really? Oh, you're being too conservative. Think so? You're only going to give yourself 200 a unit after you're done? Well, I mean, if you think you can do better, it's just gravy. I would I would assume so. I yeah. mean, people are buying garbage for two hundred a unit now. Yeah, I mean, we just did a we just knew a guy who did an appraisal on on a six unit. Actually, one of Dylan's Dylan's clients. Okay. Uh, and I think he only got like for his appraisal on the sixplex, he only came in at like nine eighty or something, which to me was very surprising. That's one appraiser. I mean, totally. And so once again, I always I always lean on the conservative for yeah. the money side, and I'm always pleasantly surprised, which I kind of like. Yeah, you know, I, like, I kind of got that from what you said on the last one when you did a little yeah, case it's study. Like, on. Oh, this is pleasant, you know. Yeah. Versus like, shit. How am I going to explain this to my joint venture partner? Okay, so so let's just say you're right at one point six, which is kind of where I. I mean, I had visions of maybe higher, but I'm so to me, I want the perfect burr, and I didn't see it happening yeah, on this yeah. one. I think now with what the market's done, it did what I kind of thought it would do, but didn't know for sure, mm-hmm. and that's go up. So I I think that that you're going to do better than that. But all the same, let's just crunch the numbers, assuming you got 350000 left in. Yep. And this is your JV partner's money. Um, okay, so what do you figure you're going to get per unit there on average? Uh, I'm thinking probably about 1550 We turn them on to two bedrooms. Okay, on the two bedrooms? Mm-hmm. How many are there are two bedrooms? Eight. Oh, they're all eight. Okay. Yeah. All right, so 12400 across the building. Were you like 12000 on taxes there or something like that? 14000 I think. 14000 
And insurance, I feel like you're going to be like 30. I should have came with like Coles notes. I just do ballpark. I just like an idea, you know? Like, so maintenance will leave that at 7%. Uh, Utilities there, uh, you're going to be into quite a bit because you're paying all the water. All the water and the gas is just boiler. So it's actually not bad. Gas is boiler. So gas is probably what, 200 a month there? Yeah. Yeah. Give it something like that. And then. uh, And then for water, it's eight people. Well, let's call it 16 people maybe using. So maybe 300 bucks. A month, yeah. All right. And so hydros all on their own. They pay their own. No common meter. Uh, yes, there is a common meter. So, so we'll call it seventy-five a month times yeah. twelve. There. Okay, so it might be in the ballpark of sixty-nine, seven thousand a year in utilities. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, management will leave your eight percent in there. Uh, lawn cutting, you won't have it, but you will have some snow removal. Mm-hmm. We'll call that maybe what six hundred bucks for the year. Sure. And I'll just leave miscellaneous in there again. Throw this valuation in. Okay, so at a 1.6 million, you're a 6.16% cap rate, which is why I know you're wrong about that value. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's buying six caps in Hamilton. But uh, anyways, I like your conservative approach. I am super, super conservative um, yeah. with my numbers. So It's always better to, to do that yeah. and then come Be out. Be surprised. On, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what keeps you in the business. You know what else I do? When do you do you have a separate tax account where you put money aside when you do like a flip? Like you oh, take, for taxes? Yeah, you put it aside. Yeah, it's called my properties. I don't touch the money out of my properties except when I have to pay taxes, pretty yeah. much. That's so, the only way I take money out of my properties accounts. So <laughs> what I do is I take these, the, the when I get a flip, let's say I make, I don't know, 100 grand on a flip or something, 25K I'll put into a tax account. Just yeah. I'll let it sit there, and I can use that to invest in something else or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the year, I never end up paying nearly that much in tax, and it's like this sweet bonus every year. Yeah. Honestly, like you for, kind of forget about it, and you accept the fact that you're going to And then you get that. it back. Yeah. I, I love creating those systems. It's so old. you don't have to – it's like I create systems for how much cash I keep so I can sleep at night, keep a system so yeah. that you're not pulling out of your pocket to pay taxes because that's a really dirty feeling. Have you ever uh, – <laughs> there's a book out there called Profit First. Profit first? It literally changed our business structure this year. You should definitely check it out. Profit first. Okay. Um, I'll look it up. It talks a little bit about how to break up your your like if you think of your business as a hundred percent, you should learn how to operate a business on like forty percent, mm-hmm. then taxes are twenty five percent, and then you split up owner's profit and then yeah. the company profit. Because okay. at the end of the year when you do your taxes, you're like, uh Taxes show I made all this money, but like, where the hell is it? You know, yeah. We would deploy it into other properties and all this stuff too. So yeah, a, I got gotcha. cognizant of it. Cool. I'll have to check out that book. Yeah. Um, okay. So just looking at at these numbers here. So you, I mean, if we figure you have a three percent appreciation rate, you're probably going to go up by forty eight grand a year, and uh, your mortgage pay down because you're going to be at a twenty five year AM. Uh, I figured I should actually adjust this, so we'll we'll call it two point five percent interest rate. Uh, so you're like a thirty four hundred dollar cash flow. Um, annually, the cash flow is about forty-one grand. That's not bad. Pay down of like three thirty grand. So you know this property is really generating about one hundred eighteen thousand a year between all that and then the return. You're in for about call it uh, three fifty. You said so. Mm-hmm. If you're in that ballpark, you're about thirty-three percent return on investment. So yeah. you're, and you're splitting that with your your partner. Yeah. So they get their whatever money you pull out of the refi back. And then how do you work that from there? So then it's 50-50 it's or... 50. Everything's 50-50. Do you have a schedule to refinance again in X number of years to get them the rest of their money? Um, or is that not really... I think it's more about the fact that we... Like, once again, I, I, 
I'm really gunning towards, and I know our partners in it too. We want to get towards the the CMHC if we can. Okay. So if we can do that, then I'd yeah. be actually okay to lock in for ten years, to be honest with you, because yeah, if I don't have to refinance, it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. But the cash flow is, is super sexy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you go to CMHC, you probably you probably end up getting eighty percent. Like they say, eighty five, but it's not mm-hmm. a true eighty five because they yeah, they yeah. trim you down. Yeah. Uh, so if you were, and then you got maybe two percent even on the rate. Um, you know, you could keep your cash flow roughly the same, but you'd be pulling out a, a big chunk more yeah. and yeah. have even less invested. So for both of us, where we're at right now is that, you know, we've got young kids and we're kind of still in the thick of it. The way I kind of see business now is like my, my foot's on the pedal. So yeah. until I decide to take it off and just kind of live casually, yeah, just uh, let it coast. Hey, that's nice. I mean, I, like you said, you're active, so I mean, you don't sure. need you don't need to be pulling that money out. And I, that's a great asset to have because I only see that one going up. Yeah. And I like I like that it's eight units in one spot. They they can generate a pretty good rental income each. For sure. Um, what is your tenant base starting to look like now? You getting some people we working? Even, we haven't gotten there oh, okay. yet. Yeah. What do you figure you're gonna get? Um, well, we're gonna like we're gonna put a lot into like the design. So I'm hoping to get like young professionals in there, ideally. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get newly pave the the, the parking, the parking lot. lot. Get make it all a big cleaned difference. up. Yeah, get the outside. You know, you're saying that that whole New York feel. We're gonna do something very similar to that too. We're actually thinking of like putting planters and stuff like that yeah. outside. Like, I think you should do those um, black uh, pancake style lights that hang with like the vintage bulbs in them. Hang hang a couple of those off the front. I just think that would look really cool there. And uh, if you can get one of those black dome type uh, like awnings i don't know exactly what yes yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. that's exactly yeah. what we were thinking yeah just like dress it up just like yeah. look up like chic new york it like was stuff. it was that or yeah. we had another idea to actually get like a because so when we bought it we're like what, what should we call the corporation that we bought it under and so we decided it's there was a sign on it called the canon manor yeah and so we named our corporation canon, canon manor, manor. That's nice, man. You you should definitely push the name of the building. Yeah, give totally. it its own website. I kind of was thinking all and this. Like, like, give it its oh, website. Oh, you live in the Cannon Manor? Oh, yeah. that's like the bougiest place in town. I'm like, yeah, totally. exactly. You want to get some hipsters <laughs> living in there? Yeah, yeah. And then you can drive those uh, rents up to seventeen hundred, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and get an espresso machine in every unit. There that's you all go. I need. There's, I feel like there's always something like creative, and I learned this totally. from, from Carmen, my mother-in-law. Like all these little tricks that she does, where she'll get more rent than anybody else like consistently on everything she does. And she always creates a big vision around what she does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nice website, nice marketing, and, uh, you know, nice accents. And they that seems to do the trick. It draws in people that are like, oh, that's so cute and whatever. <laughs> what would you recommend to do on the stairs? That's one thing because the stairs were carpet and they stink like... I'm trying to uh, picture it. Definitely not carpet. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking about what we could do because obviously, you know, you want to make sure that people aren't going to slip all the way down or anything like that either, right? I um, like. I mean, in any of my places, I usually use vinyl plank yeah. and glue it down on the stairs. I like the click plank. Mm-hmm. I like that on the stairs with those little metal nosings. Yeah, but I don't know how traction, how much traction that gives you. I mean, you could. I'd have to see them again because I don't really remember. You're we not going to come by the stairs at some point. Yeah, man, I'd I'd love to check it out. I'd, 
Wish I could have uh, been there when you opened up those walls to be feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, another thing we're thinking is how you know on every set of stairs you go up and there's like this bit of a landing and you have to kind yeah. of turn around. Get, so every single one of those landings, I'd like to make like a feature wall there. Yeah, on every single landing, that'd be that's so cool. A little bit different, like little paintings like and stuff. Colors like bright red or bright yellow or bright green or something. You know, I feel like the difference in these these. Maltes. There's so many Maltes out there that the landlords don't care what the common areas look like. It's just like a dungeon. Like it feels like your elementary school that no one ever cared about. Like I see that so often. Like there's such an opportunity to just yeah to take a little time and just make the hallways like 100%. nice. Put a little thing of flowers, even if they're fake. Yeah. <laughs> and like I don't know. I would I would let my wife help me with all that. But it, I think that there's like such an opportunity in that building specifically to give it its own charm make it a destination spot where people actually are on a waiting list to get in and then you can write your own income pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah. Kind of jealous. I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you invited over for a coffee anytime yeah, yeah, with I'll our pop, new Nespresso machines. Pop, pop in and take a peek. That'd be, uh, that'd yeah. be great. So what else are, uh, are you into? Like what's your portfolio look like bird's eye view? So we've got 53 units right now. Okay. Uh, about 20 of them are still under construction. Okay. So we may own the unit, but they're not occupied or making money just that yet. Yeah. So by spring, all those will be done, and we have now a backlog already of of properties coming down the pipe. So you well. got a lot of stuff on the on the agenda. Yeah. So the goal for next year is actually to buy thirty properties between flipping, burring, and the odd wholesale here and there. Thirty. Okay. Yeah. So you're busy. Yeah. Yeah. But the. Like, we are having a child tomorrow, literally. Yeah. It's, <laughs> the on, the, it's on the calendar. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, right now I have a ton of confidence in our team. We've got some key individuals that we've just brought on, especially on the construction side. Um, so I've got a lot of faith as to how we can start to grow. And my team is very um, motivated. Uh, it probably sounds bad, but to get me out of the nitty-gritty so that I can focus on the um, on the higher level, like property acquisitions, and just bring more opportunities to the team. Yeah, like what what should we do now? That, Ex- that kind yeah. of concept. Yeah, so the way I see it, like so in our team, we're very much focused on on everyone else's self development as well. So people that join us, we encourage them to okay, when are you buying your first property? Yeah, and that's the conversation we consistently have. So Melissa, who joined us, uh, I think a year plus ago, a year and a half ago, maybe now. Um, within that year, she bought her first investment property and she mm-hmm. just got uh, a firm deal on her second one. Nice. So, like, and I, I look at what that's going to do for like her family. She got two young daughters. Like, it just blows my mind. It's like her her financial situation is now completely changed. And yeah. the thing's a cash cow. It's crazy. So it's like making like eight hundred bucks a month. Now she 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 self manages it. Yeah. She's got a partner in it and all that stuff. It's just one of her girlfriends went in yeah. on with her. But um, then our, our our project coordinator, he's also an investor as well. So we actually knew him through the investor community. His name's Mady. He's a fantastic individual. Okay. And so uh, so we brought him on board as well, and he's just been so impactful. He's a very yeah. uh, high-minded individual so i i really appreciate that because it's nice to kind of level with somebody who like you get the mindset and the growth and that whole side of things you know it's not just about i come to do a job yeah mindset's so important so important yeah so i mean for for me right now the most important thing is being able to focus and 
uh, finding the who, not the how, I guess. Yeah. So bringing on more talent is a big, big push this year for me. Okay. So how are you bringing on talent? Like, what do you? Not very well <laughs> right now. I, it's my like single biggest struggle. Totally. Like, I, I have, I have some good people around me. The biggest has been the ones that are closest to me, like an admin. Like that's been my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. I do have people on my construction sites. I've got people for video editing and all, and all the podcasts. But it's the it's the it's the relinquishing that tight control I have on like my books and my high level business. Yeah, yeah. So we with Melissa, we've kind of opened the books to her. She's yeah. our administrator. We got I say we got lucky. She was our second admin hire. Yeah. Our first admin hire. She last. Like, no, I remember like we were so busy, Kaylee and I, <laughs> like running around all over the place, and then we'd leave her in the office to do like the whatever administrative tasks she had on the go, and she'd she'd call us at like one o'clock in the afternoon, and be like, hey. Um, I don't really know what else I should be doing when we like left the whole list and was like, okay, well, I guess you can just go home if you'd like. She's like, okay. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, it's probably not going to work. So Melissa, she's just like, she's very focused on creating systems. She's actually taking on the project management side of things. So she's actually helped structure the business for us. And so what was the, what were the criteria when you were hiring Melissa? Like, how did you know you had found somebody like what, you know, what was your process in finding her? Well, we... It's a good question. It was a year and a half ago. I'm just trying to think back now. Um, we found her actually on Indeed. Yeah, so you just put out an yeah, ad. Yeah, we put in an ad and, uh, yeah. and we interviewed a bunch of folks. Um, but yeah, she just, she had the right attitude. Yeah. At the time, actually, I remember it was like, she was a little bit more expensive than what I guess we had in mind. Because, you know, an administrator, you're not really sure like like how... You don't know how good they'll be. Yeah, right? exactly. They could be worth it and they might not yeah, be. Yeah, but she uh, she really yeah. proved herself yeah. to us. So we make sure that we, uh, you know, prove her worth to us too. Yeah. Right? And you said she's the one that bought the rental property. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, do you look for that like in in, uh, in somebody like you want to see somebody who's who wants to yeah. get into the business? They they understand. They're enthusiastic about the business. Yeah. it's It's – I don't want them to like, you know, my goal is not for them to take on – being a real estate investor and and i for instance matey he, he actually his goal and he's been very straight up up with us is like i don't want to be here forever i just want to you know help contribute raise your company to the next level and help build the systems that it's going to require and yeah. i think for right now that's exactly what we needed yeah because i think that they were kind of we were doing so much at once that we needed somebody to kind of pull things back so we could focus on the systems a little bit while still like going mm-hmm. the projects can't wait so we still have to go forward right yeah so i yeah it's um it, for me it's somebody who has a vision enough to be self-sufficient as a self-starter is an important thing yeah right so i skipped lunch today uh <laughs> but also someone who i can see potentially being like an empire builder somebody okay. who can build right? okay that's important but it's hard. How do you how do you know that? How do you know? I mean, do you use like a disc profile? Like I'm not. Those yeah, are, I'm obsessed with discs. Those are it. super new to me. So what are you looking for? Like explain it and explain so, what you're looking for. So um, for a disc profile, like I think that someone you're looking for is like a high D second C for an administrator, in my opinion. Okay. Somebody that like a high D is like a pusher is not okay. going to wait for your your okay. direction on what decision they should make because they kind of know. Yeah. But a C also has a little bit of an analytical mind in terms of like... What does C stand for? Conscientiousness. Conscientiousness. Okay. Yeah. They're, the C is like the analysis paralysis. They're like okay. the people who are like in the... Okay. You know, in the cubicles and they... Like the engineers are Cs. Yeah, yeah. And your eyes are the very like... 
you know, squirrel, you know, I'm a high I second D. Okay. Right. And so I think that works well in sales. Uh, yeah. Personally, but, um, a high S is very like team oriented. And then a high D is like the pusher. You want a high D to like push projects along. D is dominance, right? Yeah. And then I stands for influence. Influence. Okay. So you got your, I've heard other people say they want different priorities than that, yeah. but it's, it, yeah. I guess it's also complimenting you and what you do, right? Yeah. So there's no right or wrong so answer. I'm a super high eye. So, yeah. so like I, I get distracted all the time. It's kind of like a running joke in the office of like, I have an attention span, like a cabbage or a goldfish. <laughs> it's probably better. Cabbage. cabbage has a pretty long attention span, <laughs> but uh, yeah. like, yeah, for, for me, I, I sometimes need, you know, people to kind of keep me on the straight and narrow a little bit. Right. Because there's a lot of stuff, you know, too, like. We're dealing with multiple projects. We're also like dealing with acquisitions. We're dealing with trades. We're dealing with issues with tenants. We're dealing with all these yeah. different things: the city permits, architects, all this stuff. It's hard to keep on track. Like, what, like I get home at night some days, and I'm like vibrating. I'm like, what the hell just happened today? This is crazy. Yeah. So you sometimes yeah. you need somebody who you can lean on a little bit to be like, mm-hmm. don't forget to do this, 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 and this. Or yeah. Sometimes it's really annoying if I'm <laughs> like, I just, I have like all the, you know, like the management, I do manage my own stuff and I have a team, but I, I am often in the middle of, of a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the part where I would love to, to remove myself completely. Uh, because what the part like I a, enjoy. In the middle of a, a lot of direction. Um, like I get emails to me and then I assign tasks, right? I'm mm-hmm. the guy assigning, like with my construction site, I'm I'm not involved. Actually, if my, my site supervisor calls me, I give him the phone number of whoever he thinks he needs or I tell him to find somebody. So we're getting actually better and better as time goes on and he's becoming more and more valuable to me because every problem that comes up, he solves it. And that is like my dream. It is You're, a dream. That's it, my dream right It is there. an absolute dream. Like my project runs itself. I have not yet got a call today. Construction is happening without my involvement. That is beautiful. Um, now, some days I do get a few calls, but for the <laughs> most part, I don't have to get involved. I get involved on more awarding contracts or, or seeking out new relationships on larger ticket items. Like if it's small ticket items, I let him do it. Uh, but for larger contracts, like who's our excavator uh, concrete contractor for these three houses? Yeah. Um, you know, that's something I'd be involved on to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But uh, So how do you deal with it when you're like you're trying to give a person this independence to make their own decisions and to problem yeah. solve? And what if you get to site and you're like, I wouldn't have done it this way. Like, why is this piece sticking out of this wall or something? It's a real slow, <laughs> that's a real slow um, process. So so for Rod, he actually doesn't do the work. He more assigns and oversees. He's mm-hmm. site supervisor. Um, I have a few guys that are very autonomous um, that work on site for me. They're not my employees, but they do, they do work for me a lot. Um, and... Uh, you know what? We'll do a little bit of pictures here and there. So, hey, this is what I'm thinking. But I, I really spend time getting to know the people that work for me and how they think. Yeah. And I know what not to give them. Like I know, okay, this is a task for this person. Like that person can handle that and can make decisions that I would be okay with. This person, don't give them a cocking gun. Like there's one guy that he somehow he gets a cocking gun and I see the work. I'm like, <laughs> somebody gave him a cocking gun, didn't they? Um, so, you know, it's just like funny little things like that. Um, but the damage is usually pretty minor when those things happen yeah um they're not hard to fix uh in my experience and i've got i'm not going to say that there haven't been some big mistakes made uh but we we were able to roll with it but i think this is just like some people have the ability to give up that that internal control um on the administrative side and it would be harder to give up the construction side for me it was just the reverse like i never had a specific skill in construction so it was easy for me to not be 
See, hands I'm, on. I'm that reverse. Like I, yeah. like I, I love the construction side. I love being yeah. in the thick of it, problem solving. Oh, I love that the best too. Way. It's like, just easier in the engineering side, right? I like. I'm not an engineer, but I do like. Like we need to carry this load down, open this up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we gonna do here? Like, like what we were talking about in that building. Like, man, like that's like a board game to me. I wanna, I wanna play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's a, so the now when you have a crew that you like, you have a construction company, of course. Do you have? individuals that work on payroll like framers and stuff yeah like that? I, have, I have uh two right now that are are on my payroll uh i've had as many as four one guy a full-time carpenter that guy actually now works for another company but still is working for me like the last two three months he's been on my site for like a lot of time mm-hmm. so um i'll take him any which way i can get like you know it works That's better for him right now because we're, we're considering bringing on two uh full-time like framers i think like a good carpenter like this guy i'm talking about like He's the guy you don't want to give a caulking gun to, but uh, the, he could frame absolutely anything, um, and he's been invaluable to me. I've earned so much money, built so much wealth because of him. He's worked mm-hmm. with me for five years now. Yeah, and uh, like I, I wouldn't want to go at it without him. Like he's the guy I'll bring in if I because he's one guy, uh, but I'll bring in framing crews and I'll have him inspect. Like, okay, now you go in there and you tell me if they did a good job. You tell me what they did wrong so I can make them fix it. Or if I paid a low enough price for the framing, I'll just I'll just eat it. I'll, if I get a good enough deal on the framing, I'll just fix the problems. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is worth it. I'll pay my guy to fix it. Yep. So you, you have to come up with your own solution as to how you're going to make it work. But I know that I can build cheaper than the average person. So for me, like we, we talk about being creative, like what are the creative ways you can invest? I know that I have a competitive advantage. I can go into pretty much any situation and I can build it cheaper than somebody else could. Yeah. And that's going to allow me to create sweat equity and things. Mm-hmm. It's a capacity problem now. So I want to make sure I'm doing it on things that I can add enough value that I feel like it's worth my time. It's, mm-hmm. it's building my wealth in the direction and at the speed that I want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. These are such fun. This, these are the type of conversations that like I love having, right? Yeah. Like this is like masterminding. Like totally. How it's, are we going to grow? Like what are we going to do next? Like, yeah. But the the talent thing, like Keller Williams, is a very much uh, uh, a culture around attracting talent, and yeah. so we got to experience a, a little bit of that. Also, be immersed in that culture too. But yeah, it's definitely the number one thing is to find the right. In, like you, you said that that one framer individual who can't use a caulking gun. But he has mm-hmm. built your your net worth tenfold, mm-hmm. and I think that when you bring the right people in, it allows you, it frees you up to do other things. Actually, I heard an, an, an amazing question to ask a millennial in an interview. Yeah, <laughs> they, I was listening to a podcast today, a Bigger Pockets actually, okay. and um, and they had a coach on there from the strategic coaching, and the guy said, if you ever are having a millennial, you should ask them in an interview with like a poker face what do you feel like you're entitled to in this job? And if they start listing off all the things that they feel that they should get, they're like, okay, well, thanks so much. And then never call <laughs> The answer again. should be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and if the answer is, I actually, yeah. I, I don't really have any expectations. I just want to learn and contribute and, and see how, you know, yeah. I can grow within the company. Then that's kind of the answer that you're looking for, right? Yeah. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm baffled at the, how few people really truly want to work. Yeah, that, that's a cultural problem. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that goes real deep. Like that's a rabbit hole we can go down. <laughs> I am too. Like I mean, we need some scotch for that one. The, the crap I've seen uh, on you know sites trying to get 
uh, not to throw any specific temporary labor companies under the bus here, but I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. Um, I, I've brought out temp labor, uh, you know, I'm paying like 22, 23, 24 bucks an hour for it. And these are people that can barely push a broom. Yeah. Like, uh, and I'm just blown away that I'm having to pay this. And this is a problem because mm -hmm. that hurts absolutely everybody. If I can't get a good value for my $24, that hurts everybody because that means yeah. that, that now McDonald's has to pay more and the grocery store has to pay more to get people that are capable, uh, which drives all of our prices and hurts all Canadians equally. Yep. And uh, we've got to get out of this socialist like oh, everybody man. is Could equal not agree with you more oh man it's the destruction it's trickle up poverty is what it is as as for i heard it from the uh the ceo of uh of whole foods and i keep saying this trickle up poverty is the most accurate description of it and we've got to stop it yeah yeah so i i mean i would love to see i know it's kind of out of the box but i actually think there's a huge argument to not have a minimum wage because think about i heard i heard peter schiff talk about this Do you know peter schiff no he talks a lot about economics, currency, and, and um, he's like, I'm old enough to know what it was like to work for like tips. You know, I used to, you know, pump gas for tips. And, you know, when I wasn't doing that, I could go in and I could sit and I could watch the mechanics working in the garage. And then I learned a skill. I learned about working on cars by sitting and watching them in between. If minimum wage had been there, they wouldn't have, uh, they wouldn't have full serve gas stations. And look at the, look at full serve gas stations. Where'd they go? They're gone because mm -hmm. minimum wage made it too expensive to have people that could come pump gas. So it actually kind of hurt us and it actually hurt the people that would have had those jobs because at the end of the day, market pays what you're worth. Yep. And if you're only worth $6 of value and the employer can make $8 of value off of you as an employee, you got yourself a deal. But if the market says you're worth you know, $6, but the government says you're worth 14 now, all of a sudden, you have a non-deal, and now you who would have a job and would have an opportunity to build skills, learn, grow, and become a better person, better human being, more contributing human being to society, now are robbed of that experience. Instead, you go to school and get paid nothing. In fact, you'll pay. Mm -hmm. What sense does that make? You get to learn on a job. For sure. So to me, it's uh, it's funny, and I know some people would argue with me on that. Maybe not my listeners, because they know I'm a conservative, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I could, I could, You're literally preaching to the choir. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Like, yeah. It's... Uh, there was a funny video. I think it was like a Ben Shapiro video. I don't know if you. I like Ben him. Shapiro. I yeah. do him and Dan Bongino. Those yeah. these are guys like I, I love listening yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he had an interesting uh, conversation with a guy who was preaching the socialism card about yeah. about the pencil factory. Oh, I heard that one. Yeah. That was so good. So it's like you don't need a functioning cerebral cortex to put graphite into a pencil. Yeah. But the business owner who's, you know, putting in the the time, the taking the, the risk, taking the risk, finding the investors, uh, you know, buying the machinery, qualifying the the talent, you know, all yeah. that's organizing the the systems within this entire company. Yeah. I mean, and and now here you have somebody who's putting graphite into a pencil saying, "I would like to be uh, you know, recognized to my contributions in this." Yeah. But the reality of it is that there's a lineup out the door. Now, I yeah. think the problem is that we're actually finding that there maybe isn't a lineup out the door. For people wanting to work. Yeah. Well, when you get served, you don't need the lineup for work. Yeah. The problem is if you take away the handouts and you remove the minimum wage, now everybody's on equal footing. Everybody needs to earn. And the cream always rises to the top. Those who are better have the ability to yeah. a quit the job if they don't feel like they're getting paid what they're worth mm -hmm. uh and and start their own thing or go find a better employer and this happens all the time this is not a new concept people switch jobs all the time because they feel like there's a better opportunity now um, I, i'm like i know that this could very well be a, a quite a controversial kind of topic about about social assistance this yeah. is in in so 
we have dealt with situations where we've dealt with like ODSP tenants or things yeah. like that. And I'm not saying that there there's a lot of people out there that need this help and that they should get it. Yeah. I do feel that in order to get this help, because there's way too many people who don't need it mm-hmm. and who are taking advantage of it, and I've seen it firsthand and it makes my blood boil. Yeah, yeah. But like, for instance, we have a tenant who – or we had a tenant who – it was a purely a favor. She was the aunt of another tenant who we had there. Terrible credit to went against everything in my gut to mm-hmm. rent to this person. But he's like, listen, she, he was a good tenant. Yeah, brought her in. She contacted ODSP to get um to get her rent sent directly to me. I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah, no problem. This is kind of a, a layover place for you anyway. First month in, she stopped her ODSP payments because they have that control. She, she redirected yeah, it to she herself. she redirected it to herself. Oh and she God. bought like a 2 sixer vodka every third day. Oh, man. And so this is, you know, our tax payers' pay yeah. money going towards this. I yeah. think that there should be some way that people who yeah. are on and, – and I get it. Once again, it's people who are in a, in a disability-type situation or social assistance of some sort. There's obviously a, a need to help them, and I'm all for it. But yeah. it, it has to be somehow reciprocated. Yeah. I think people should some accountability should, to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Should somehow yeah. give back to the community somehow. Maybe these yeah. people should should uh, should you know talk to like create within the groups amongst themselves to maybe get better. Like they can give back to the community in that mm-hmm. way by you know c- coming together. I I don't know what it is, but yeah, you know I and this is something I mulled over a lot. It doesn't I, have to be like this negative, yeah. like how dare you or whatever. Because I always no. fear that like talking like this. But like I, yeah. I think that at the end of the day, like. When you perpetuate the free handout, and like another thing is baby bonuses is freaking crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. I actually know a guy. He's like multi, multi, multi millionaire, but he gets all. He doesn't take the income personally, so he gets all these government handouts, <laughs> all these uh, benefits, and it's just it's just really funny. Um, I really don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the route we should be going. And I think, I mean, can you imagine a society like if we had such a lower level of taxation? Like if we cut government down. Um, you know, thinking out loud, like to 20% of what it is right now. Imagine the extra money people would have if, if we got rid of all this central bank manipulation of our currency. People didn't get their dollars inflated away uh, and paid a reasonable amount of tax. People, if they respected the family unit, we wouldn't have these issues of people needing social assistance. Their family would take care of them. Mm-hmm. But it's it, there's just so many things that I've seen have happened over time that, and there's there's always an exception to every rule. And I I think the exceptions do need to be addressed. And there's all, there's a responsible way. I'm not saying I have all the answers. This is me thinking out loud. So no, yeah. don't get mad at me, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sharing ideas. Free free country still. Um, so well, I think sort of. <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes. Maybe maybe sometimes. On social media. Uh, and as long as you uh, you don't own a, a non essential star you're, you're free um so anyways but I, I think there's a lot of good ideas i love having these conversations i love i think that our, our listeners and viewers are probably going to get something out of that I'm, I'm sure many agree and some maybe disagree and that's cool too uh but i appreciate you sharing that yeah. and and kind of jousting with me here i think we had a lot of cool cool uh chats here for sure where do people reach you if they want to find out more um well actually we uh we have a website www.palpropertysolutions.com and there's actually a free book on there too if anybody wants it's called getting your foot in the door so if people are interested to uh uh it literally costs you nothing so just download it it's pdf all right you wrote the book yeah cool man i'm a terrible writer but uh (laughs) it's like grade three level so i think a lot of people have the feedback's like man this is so easy to understand which i'm like 
That's great, actually. Simple, simple is the way it's got to be. Yeah. And I, I like that. And you that. can probably read it in like an hour and a half. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a quick way to get your foot in the door. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So so people can check you out on your website. And I think you have an Instagram. That yeah. I have Pal you Property Solutions. You okay. can follow me on Instagram right. or Facebook. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll include those in the show notes. Any parting words of wisdom here for investors that want to take it up a level like uh, like you're doing? Um. I have well, a couple things. I think your your network is your net worth, okay. and that's why I'm you know I'm grateful to finally met you too. Like yeah, I think man. that if, you know if we followed each other and we've seen what the other persons have done, but once you start to collaborate and you're like, holy shit, I got a lot in common with this guy. We should go grab a beer at some point. You yeah, know? man. A lot of the people that we network with and and uh, and have gotten to know across the years. Now we like go out for dinner together and stuff like right. that. And we really like, sh- that's where you share like really deep ideas. Yeah, man, I, I'm into that. And then you golf. Not well, no. but I love it. Yeah, yeah let's, <laughs> let's do that in the spring. Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested. And yeah, man, like grab grab a bike, grab a beer or something. We'll find a place we should do that. Because yeah, yeah lots of good ideas here. For sure. For sure. But that would be uh, my parting words is that, you know, a lot of people withhold themselves from actually making the decision, making the leap to get into investing. There's all these fear factors that are out there. But when you surround yourself with the right people, mm-hmm. it's like that, you know, if you sleep with dogs, you get fleas, but birds with a feather flock together kind of thing, yeah. right? And so when you surround yourself with the right birds, I think you, you don't have a choice. You just eventually got, like, oh, screw it. I'm, I'll fly with these guys. That's awesome, man. It was great wisdom. Again, really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks so much for having me, dude. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. 